This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. You're listening to the MomWell Podcast. Today, I'm excited to welcome reproductive psychiatrist, Dr. Sarah Oreck to the show. Off the top, I do want to put a trigger warning out there that we do talk about scary and disturbing thoughts and things such as psychosis and infanticide in this episode. There was a tragedy that happened in Massachusetts a couple of months ago that many, many mothers messaged me about. It is really hard for us to understand how these things can happen. But what I also noticed was it sparked a lot of fear in my community about how we know if this is happening to us and when to seek help or how to prevent it. And by it, I'm referring to postpartum psychosis. It is speculated that it played a role in the news that made headlines earlier this year. And all of this fear and worry and confusion starts swirling around when stories like this hit the news. I asked Dr. Sarah Oreck to join the show today to help us understand what postpartum psychosis really is in a non-sensationalized way. We go over what postpartum psychosis is and why this happens, what the symptoms are, but also we really dive into how it differentiates from postpartum depression or intrusive thoughts because there was a lot of fear that came up about whether postpartum depression turns into postpartum psychosis or whether many in my audience are at risk of developing something like what we've been reading about. It's time for us to really set the record straight, destigmatize this topic and have open and honest conversations about it so that we can be aware and be educated and know the differences. Motherhood can be very isolating. When you're struggling, it's important to have someone to turn to who isn't going to judge, dismiss, or shame you. That's why MomWell is dedicated to building a team of therapists who get it. Our mom therapists know what you're going through, and we've been there too. In fact, our mom therapists are just like you in so many ways. Some of our therapists love the outdoors, nature, and the smell of lavender candles. Some of them are foodies and love to travel, go to the theater, or listen to music. Just like you, they had lives before they became moms. And just like you, they've had to struggle to find their identities after having children. Our team is made up of parents of young children, multiple kids, twins, and blended families. They're dance moms, sports parents, and moms who are trying their best to balance work and parenthood and everything in between. They know what it's like to feel overwhelmed or lost in motherhood. They know what it's like to struggle with feeding and emotions that come along with it. They know what it's like to experience mom guilt, mom rage, and overstimulation. Our therapists really get it, and we're committed to focusing on moms like you and providing support at every stage of your motherhood journey. We provide virtual therapy support across Canada and are now serving 25 states in the U.S. Ready to learn more? Head to momwell.com booking to set up a free 15-minute virtual consultation. That's momwell.com booking. Welcome to the MomWell Podcast, where we're committed to helping you cope with the load of motherhood. I'm your host, registered psychotherapist and founder of MomWell, Erica Jossa. At MomWell, we know that motherhood is hard, but care shouldn't be. We're committed to providing you with knowledge, tools, and support to navigate the challenges of motherhood. Our mission is to put moms back on the priority list and empower them to create a mental wellness toolbox free from judgment, fear, and shame. On the show, we'll be discussing topics such as postpartum depression, identity loss, the mental load of motherhood, and more. 
We'll be joined by experts, moms, and professionals who can offer advice, practical tips, relatable stories, and honest conversations. Here at MomWall, we believe that when a mom is well, a baby is well. So join us as we discuss the topics that matter to you with experts who get it. Together, we can redefine motherhood and change the way moms are treated. Dr. Sarah, thank you so much for taking the time to join us on the show again today. I know that we had you on talking about anxiety in the past, and you were the first person that came to my mind to reach out to when there was a story that made some rounds and news about a mom with three children and you know, a bit of a trigger warning if you Google it out of Massachusetts. It was a pretty alarming news story about a mom with her children. And it has just stirred so many questions up in my community and with our clients. So thank you for joining us to have this conversation. Absolutely. Yeah, I think I've also experienced a similar amount of questions, especially with those who are suffering with anxiety, kind of worried about whether this will happen to them or how this happens. And I think it's important for us to talk about what postpartum psychosis is Mm -hmm. to dispel some of the myths and to really understand it. Yeah, I think that even as a provider, because postpartum psychosis is so rare, that I don't even feel like I have a ton of experience with it, right? I feel like really reproductive psychiatrists or other specialists maybe have more of an insight than even I would because it is so rare. But I think that when we hear these stories and we hear these things happen, like you said, those who are anxious or, you know, are depressed or struggling, you know, with their mental health, intrusive thoughts, postpartum, any of these things start to question, oh my goodness, is this me? Could this happen? Is this what is happening to me? So I think that a really open and honest conversation about what postpartum is and understanding it and also understanding and parsing apart, you know, depression from psychosis and intrusive thoughts from psychosis. Because I think that any experience postpartum, we start to get fearful and lump it into, oh no, this could be happening to me, right? So I think you've touched on some really good points. This is so rare that I've only seen a handful of cases. They usually go to the emergency room directly to inpatient psychiatric hospitalization. And maybe therapists in the community see these patients after they've recovered. And I think it's important to note that many of these patients do recover. There are medication treatments that are extremely helpful, as well as therapy treatments that can be helpful. But sort of backing up, let's talk about what the numbers are. So in the United States, we think it happens approximately one out of every 1,000 patients. Mm. So it is rare. If we think about how often postpartum depression and anxiety happens, that's almost right. one in three now post-pandemic. Yeah. So these numbers are really different, right? One or two in a 1,000 versus one in three. Mm-hmm. This is something that happens that's exceedingly rare, right? This is that airplane crash, especially when it involves things like suicide or infanticide. Mm -hmm. That is extremely rare. Right. Of those one in 1,000 cases, about 4% end in infanticide and 5% in suicide. So those are very, very small numbers. I think what happens, though, is that these cases are so shocking Mm -hmm. that they're highly publicized. And I want to be clear, you know, we don't know many of the details about what happened in Massachusetts. You know, I've never personally examined this individual. I cannot tell you if this is for certain postpartum psychosis, but we know that, you know, mothers 
who are caring and love their children. And that's sort of what family and friends say. And then something as tragic as this happens, this is a very likely scenario. Mm-hmm. You bring up a really valid point because I don't think that we have enough conversations about postpartum psychosis. And then when we do, it's in these, you know, really extreme cases that are, they almost like stigmatize the, this mother's struggle because we're talking about, you said the rare of the rare, right? So we're talking that 4% of that 1%. And really it's not an accurate representation of this struggle for mom's postpartum or of this experience. And while it is to be taken very seriously and it is an emergency, it is not equal to what, you know, plays out in the media for sure. Exactly. And I think let's sort of go back even further and break down what postpartum psychosis is. So what are the words? Yeah. Right. Postpartum happens after childbirth. And we typically see that this occurs, you know, at most frequency, two to four weeks are sort of the the most vulnerable time. And psychosis is a break from reality. Mm. Right. Let's be clear about that. It's experiencing a break from reality that can include things like delusions, It can include things like hallucinations, mostly auditory in nature, and we can get more into what that also can entail. Mm -hmm. And really, it's having a real lack of insight into what's happening and impaired judgment. And when people have this, they often appear confused kind of in and out of both being lucid and then sort of being pretty confused. And so I guess that's all to say that people around individuals that are suffering with this start to get very alarmed. Mm. This is not something that kind of just happens, right? Like, I think it's something that people start to say, ooh, this is, you know, my sister, my my partner is very, very different right now. Something is mm. going on here. So I guess that, that's to say that there's more symptoms and more things that come up before really dangerous things happen. There are red flags, there are warning signs, there are shifts in character and behavior that can be identified in advance. Yeah. Yes, yes. It's not sort of something that happens from one moment to the next, but it is something that I think is quite alarming. But it's important to understand what some of these symptoms are because they are very different from intrusive thoughts. Right. Oh, And we talk about this all of the time in our practice with our mom therapists who are specialized in this area, because I think that is such a big fear and worry that we have that we might act on these intrusive thoughts that are disturbing that we feel. And I'm going to ask that tricky question that we all hate in mental health, but like, why? Like, why does this happen? You know, like, do we have any insight into what plays a role? Is there like a pre-existing history of this for moms who experience it? Or does it come out of the blue sometimes? Yeah, the highest risk is if you have a personal or family history of bipolar disorder, okay, as well as a personal history of psychosis. And so those are risk factors, but it sometimes can happen to people who have never had any of those risk factors. Mm. And in terms of the underlying sort of biology of it, we don't know yet, but there's some interesting research about it being perhaps immune-mediated or a reaction to some sort of this hormonal fluctuation that happens that for some people, they're just acutely sensitive to it. So unfortunately, we don't know exactly the people that are at risk, but we know that some like red flags or people that should be very careful around this is if someone in their family has bipolar disorder or if they themselves have bipolar disorder. That's an indication 
right, of the importance of being on the right medications with the right provider, having right consistent therapy and support, and really thinking about what the postpartum plan is like, because we think things like sleep deprivation Mm. can also put people at risk, not just for psychosis, but for all perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We know it's a high risk time for onset of any of these challenges. And I know we haven't covered bipolar much here either, but whether there has been a history or even, I think sometimes not, it can be a common time for some of those things to come forward. Appear for the first time. Yes. Right. Appear for the first time. And I actually have a good friend of mine where that was the case. And maybe there were like slight indications or like very high functioning sort of things that happened throughout life. And um, all of a sudden there was some trauma that happened with a birth and it really sort of led to a really bad combination of things. And we really fail moms and this is a whole tangent, but like we know how at risk of a time this is for people, right? And the fact that like, man, we don't talk about it or prepare them. It's pretty alarming. Absolutely. And really the support systems, right? A baby doesn't happen to just a birthing mother. It happens to a family system. Right. Um, And sort of thinking about how important that is, especially when this is a time of vulnerability in terms of mental health and things can develop both in the pregnancy and the postpartum. And having that system around us that can sort of keep us in check or say, hey, how are you doing? Or I'm noticing these things. One of the most relentless mental loads is being the juggler of medical appointments. Researching doctors, reading reviews, making phone calls to book appointments, it's a lot of stress when you're already juggling so much invisible labor. That's what makes ZocDoc great for moms. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare hundreds of types of highly rated in-network doctors, including mental health providers, and instantly book appointments with them online. ZocDoc has doctors of all specialties, including therapists, psychiatrists, and psychologists with verified patient reviews so you can make sure they check all your boxes. You can find mental health providers who offer in-person appointments, virtual consults, or both, whatever works for you. The typical wait time to see a mental health provider booked on ZocDoc is just four days. Sometimes you can even book same-day appointments. Make juggling appointments easier with ZocDoc. Go to ZocDoc.com slash MomWell and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated therapist, psychiatrist, or psychologist today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash MomWell. ZocDoc.com slash MomWell. Want to get smarter about your health but feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction? We hear a lot about gut health, microbiomes, and other nutrition topics, but taking the time to research these is exhausting, and there's a lot of misinformation out there. The Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast makes it so much easier to get the information you need. With the help of world-leading scientists, the podcast gives you research-based information so you can make informed choices for yourself without pressure and guilt. People are loving Zoe Science and Nutrition. Listener Stephanie's Apple Review says the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast is a life-changing, science-based, myth-busting podcast. That's a must-listen for anyone who eats food and wants to understand how it affects their body. 
With the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast, you can join Stephanie and millions of others accessing quality information about their health. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts. And before moving on from sort of these onset, sort of how it sparks. So it's commonly in the first week or two postpartum, right? Yes, exactly. I haven't heard of it as much in pregnancy, as much as like in those sort of immediate two to three weeks postpartum kind of stage. Yeah. So it can extend all the way through right a year postpartum. So, but what happens most frequently is really those few weeks after childbirth. In terms of things that would happen during pregnancy, we wouldn't call it postpartum psychosis. It would be sort of different, but we can have people who present with psychotic features, but that's likely because they either have an underlying um, psychotic disorder like schizophrenia or schizoaffective disorder, or they have right bipolar disorder. And sometimes within bipolar disorder, when you have a manic episode, for example, you can have psychotic features. Right. But postpartum psychosis is really in this time after birth. We think it's a very separate entity from these other issues like bipolar disorder or underlying schizophrenia. So a lot of people ask, you know, if I ever get this, does that mean that I'm going to be like someone who has schizophrenia or has long lasting psychosis? The answer to that is most likely no. Mm. People really are able to get better and sort of get back to a baseline. And it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be plagued with this the rest of their lives. Yeah. I know that there are very like effective treatments and I've heard sort of personal stories and even people in the community reach out that they had this experience and they've since, you know, healed from it and gotten the appropriate treatment and, you know, work through it on the other side. And I think that that is one of the hard pieces as a provider or like in this conversation about some of these big things that do happen is it's so preventable. Like it's such a treatable thing that if it is caught and screened and identified correctly, and if we're, you know, checking in on mom and parents postpartum and sort of doing some of these screenings, it is treatable and we can really find that baseline again. One of the first things that came to my mind, like if in fact this case was psychosis for mom, like when she does return to that baseline, like good Lord, you know, what, what (sighs) she has to face after that. And we don't need to go down that path too much, but the treatment can be very effective. And then we are, you know, back to our life. Absolutely. And I think that's really important to talk about that there are more survivors, right, than there are cases like what we saw in Massachusetts. Yeah, it's a good point. And, you know, I'm interested even maybe to bring on a community member or somebody who I know that there are advocates who once they go through it, you know, like want to create more awareness and maybe we tap into a community story to help us understand an experience in a less stigmatized sort of headline topic kind of a way and just really understand it more. With a different ending. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So some of the questions that have flooded into my community and, and as you had said, also yours, it's like, okay, I am feeling depressed or I've been battling with depression. And I was told that that's sort of some of the main symptoms initially of psychosis or whatever. And just a real fear that what we are experiencing is going to escalate into something more serious. How might we kind of parse apart maybe or give some criteria by which we can separate the two so that it doesn't feel like they're so intertwined with each other? 
Yeah, so there can be components of sort of mood changes in psychosis, but let's talk about postpartum depression. It's really a major depressive episode with negative ruminations, right? The low mood, difficulty sleeping, all those classical things. And typically with perinatal, right, either if it happens in pregnancy or postpartum, we don't typically get those psychotic features. In other depressions, other points in life, sometimes there is psychosis, but this is very different, right? Moms that have this perinatal depression, so that's in pregnancy and postpartum, don't have a break with reality. They know what's going on, right? And they aren't experiencing the delusions, which are bizarre ideas that most people are like, oh, that's Mm. a strange thing to think, or paranoid ideas. Those are sort of all in the delusional camp. And we can talk more about how that presents in postpartum psychosis and how that can lead to horrific things like infanticide. But that's not what's happening in postpartum depression. We aren't breaking with reality. We don't have those delusions and we don't have the hallucinations. And so that is very distinct, Mm -hmm. but it's understandable how in those states of very low mood and hopelessness, one can think, oh gosh, what's going to happen? And of course, an overlap there is suicide and a risk for suicide. And that's always something we should be very vigilant about. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me think about even my own experience with postpartum depression or those in the community where the feeling is a lot more like hopeless and down and feeling like nobody cares or feeling like I'm not a good enough mom for this child or these types of things that are very like hopeless and powerless feeling. And we do know, like, as you mentioned, that comes with an increased risk of feeling like, you know, maybe we shouldn't be here. And that's something that we definitely Mm -hmm. screen for Mm -hmm. and look out for. Another thing I think that can be paired with postpartum that looks a little different than that is the irritation and the rage. Yes. And sometimes when we're angry, we can have thoughts like, oh, I just want to like, oh, shake this child or whatever. I'm so frustrated. Yes. And that is not a true intent to carry through a threat on your child, right? And I think those are two very different things. And I'm so glad you mentioned that because I think sometimes, right, that anger, that rage, like, oh, I, I... I wish I didn't have kids or even saying that out loud can feel really frightening. But I, if we kind of get into more detail around what postpartum psychosis could be or some examples, right? It's a delusion. Let's say that my baby is an evil cult leader who is going to destroy everyone on earth. And so then I have potentially hallucinations or auditory hallucinations that are telling me commanding me, well, if this baby is going to destroy the human race, perhaps it's time for you to harm this baby or you need to take control of the situation, right? Those are very different thoughts yeah, and sort of within a psychotic system and that you could rationalize, right? If there's a psychotic system going on, but that's very different from hopelessness or just frustration that, oh God, I don't have enough help. And and this baby's crying and I just need to go to sleep, right? I just need a break. Yeah. Very, very different. And yeah, there's a real logical chain of events that lead up to that often situationally, like, you know, that frustration and that anger. And sometimes when we have postpartum depression, like we're very irritable and on edge for things that maybe wouldn't provoke such a response. Maybe the triggers are not so intense or there isn't such a present situation. I remember looking around when I was experiencing postpartum depression, being like, everything in my life is great. Like, what is my problem? Mm -hmm. So there isn't always like a big situational thing. But I think that when we 
look at the situation where we had an outburst or we were overwhelmed with frustration, we can track it in some sort of like logical, chronological order, right? Yes. Versus as you're mentioning, these things coming out of just really illogical places, really not making much sense, especially to those around, really not making any sense. Yes. Um, feeling distinctly different. Absolutely. And I think that can be said about intrusive thoughts. And I know we've talked about it, but it's worth reviewing what those differences are. Yeah. And so intrusive thoughts happen, right? There's almost like a normal range, and then they can lead into postpartum OCD symptoms. But what we notice is, right, I'm walking with my baby down the stairs and I have this vision sometimes or this thought that, oh, I'm going to drop this baby down the stairs. In some ways, it's our brain kind of scanning the environment for danger. Right. And what it ends up resulting in is me holding on to my baby a little bit tighter as we walk down the stairs and me being more careful than when I run down the stairs by myself. So in some ways, I like to tell moms who are experiencing this, it's your alarm system going off and sort of scanning the environment and ultimately potentially protecting your child. Now, some people have intrusive thoughts that are more violent in nature, right? I'm going to use a kitchen knife and stab my baby Mm -hmm. or the vision of even sometimes like sexual acts or things that feel really scary, like it's something I would never do. And here's where we talk about something called ego dystonic, right? It's not something that's within my value system. It's almost like a repulsive idea. Right. And yet it pops into my head. And so typically that is really all anxiety. People who have this tend to be actually very low risk to doing anything. Mm -hmm. But I think people that have those thoughts, especially if they haven't processed them, haven't spoken them out loud with someone or sort of admitted to them, can feel very frightened that it's actually just one more step into, you know, a a huge tragedy Mm -hmm. when in fact, right, it's not even close. Yeah, I've heard this from so many clients, like the sweetest, most gentle human beings, you know, who have this really disturbing thought of maybe accidentally doing something sexual by completing a diaper change and just feeling like, Mm -hmm. oh my God, I can't go near my child. Like I'm going to put two or three diapers Mm -hmm. on them or I'm going to only let my partner change them because I would never, I never want anything like that to happen. And then I think that how these get interpreted is really what keeps us sort of perpetually in this shame and struggle is like, oh my, like, did that come from inside of me? Yeah. I hear a lot. Am I a bad person? Is this an evil part of me? Right. Is this some desire of mine? Like, am I, where is this coming from? When I actually think it probably has to do with the fact that our amygdala, unfortunately or fortunately, grows during pregnancy and the postpartum to really protect this infant that can't fend for themselves, right? Our babies, unlike other mammals, are born pretty helpless. They don't walk, they don't feed themselves. And so I think in some ways that alarm system really is like super heightened and hypervigilant. And I think that hypervigilance for many of us comes up with like, okay, how to protect from all of the things that could happen to my baby. And sort of then comparing it to what happens in postpartum psychosis, which again is a break from reality, these thoughts are more egocentric. So that means that they, within that psychotic framework, they sort of make sense mm-hmm. where I think, well, oh, my baby might destroy all of human race. Well, it would make sense if maybe I did harm them because then I'd be protecting every single other person I love. 
right? Or this baby is inherently evil. Again, they don't make sense to us because right. they are bizarre, they're delusional, but within a psychotic system, it sort of makes more sense if I'm sort of explaining it in a way that can be understood. Let me know if you have questions about that. Mom rage often leads us to feeling ashamed, but the truth is that our rage doesn't mean we're bad moms. In fact, anger is a sign from our bodies that our needs aren't being met. As moms and therapists, Dr. Ashirin Areem's psyched mommy and I understand mom rage. We know that we all lose our cool sometimes, and we also know that with the right tools and strategies in place, those moments happen less often. We've teamed up and combined our years of experience to create All the Rage, Raising Kids with Less Anger and More Connection, a course designed to be your go-to resource for preventing and handling your anger. We dive into what causes your anger, how it impacts your body, how to reframe your thinking, and how to stay calm in triggering moments. And because we are all human, we also include strategies for repairing after we inevitably lose our cool. In honor of Maternal Mental Health Week, you can save $20 on the course with promo RAGE20 this week only. Don't miss out on your chance to save and make a positive change. Head to momwell.com slash rage and save with code RAGE20. That's momwell.com slash rage, code RAGE20. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. I'm tracking with you. It's like the thought is not disturbing to them. It makes sense to them. Within the system, yes. Within the system that they're experiencing, within that psychosis that they are in, it makes sense. And it's very convincing versus this intrusive thought is like, I will either be more hypervigilant to protect or I will avoid at all costs because this is so something I'm trying to avoid and protect. And that's a very different reaction. Yes. Absolutely. And I think, you know, in in terms of treatment of those intrusive thoughts, which is not what happens in psychosis. So for people who have either anxiety or have a diagnosis of postpartum OCD, it's sort of thinking about, well, actually the avoidance isn't what we want. Mm -hmm. And we want to challenge ourselves and expose ourselves to the fact that, oh no, I can cook with, I don't have to hide my kitchen knives, right? I can use them for cooking and that's all that I'm going to use them for. And that's a little bit of, of exposure therapy. But that's, again, very different from what we see in postpartum psychosis, right? We don't see people hiding 
their kitchen knives in postpartum psychosis, mostly because they're so confused that that's not something that they're even going to be doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even like with the day-to-day situations of like walking down the stairs, it's like, okay, I'm going to take a deep breath. I know that I'm in control of my hands and my feet yes. and I'm going to take my time walking down these stairs. Yes. And I trust in my ability to see this task through and be in control of myself. And that can be really, really difficult, especially if we've reinforced avoidance for a really long time. But yeah, it is a different, I guess, different treatment essentially. So maybe we can actually break it down a little bit in terms of how, like if if we're listening right now and maybe we aligned with, we, we have a, that more low mood or depression, or maybe it's like, oh my gosh, those intrusive thoughts, those are me or the psychosis experience and what that treatment looks like. Because I would imagine there's some overlap here, but they're also uniquely different. Absolutely. Let's start with the postpartum psychosis, because if you've been feeling like things aren't right, if your family members are concerned about sort of these bizarre ideas, or, you know, some signs that start to come up in, in the cases that I've seen is parents, and I know in the postpartum, we don't take care of ourselves in the way that we used to, but this is really extreme, really, like, you're not showering anymore, not eating, like really very different appearance than what was, you know, your baseline. And so in that case, it is a psychiatric emergency. Mm. We don't have many of these in sort of our field, but this is one. This is one where it's of utmost urgency to either call 911, go to your nearest ER, get evaluated immediately because immediate care can be life-saving And what's most important is that for this, for postpartum psychosis, unlike some of those other, so postpartum depression and anxiety, which we'll talk about in a moment, medication treatment is really important at the outset. Mm -hmm. So the most common treatments include mood stabilizing agents, antipsychotic agents, and sometimes benzodiazepines, but the important ones are really these agents that stabilize our mood as well as therapy. But for postpartum psychosis, right, I almost think the medication is sort of that first intervention that must happen. Right. And sometimes that means being in an inpatient psychiatric hospital just to make sure that there is sort of those safeguards around us. But again, that is an emergency that needs to be evaluated immediately. Mm -hmm. But then the other, you know, perinatal depression and anxiety, so things that can start during pregnancy and go to the postpartum, For mild to moderate depression and anxiety, we really think about therapy first. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, many people don't have access to therapy, but that is the evidence base. And then when those symptoms are more severe, so in your depression, if there is a thought of not wanting to be here, of any suicidal thoughts, we're going to say that medication is really important also from the outset. So for moderate to severe depression, medications like antidepressants are going to be first line. Mm -hmm. This includes serotonin reuptake inhibitors like Zoloft and Prozac that we hear about. And then for anxiety that happens during pregnancy and the postpartum, it's similar, right? For mild to moderate, we're going to say if you can have access to therapy, that's probably going to be the first step. Mm -hmm. In addition, for both of these to supports, right, figuring out how you can make some lifestyle changes that can be helpful to you including asking for help when you need it, getting more sleep. You know, sleep is always one of my number one treatments for both Mm -hmm. depression and anxiety. And then as things escalate for anxiety and, you know, 
symptoms are more moderate to severe where they're really interfering with your life. You're barely engaging with your baby because you have so many fears around their safety, for example, or you're not sleeping because you're holding their chest, making sure they're breathing all night. For those cases, we can also add what's called an antidepressant, but it's really just because that was the first usage. Antidepressants are actually great medications for anxiety disorders as well. Mm -hmm. And this also includes that camp of Zoloft, Prozac, Lexapro. And so again, very different treatments, very different treatments for these different disorders. And I hope that that sort of brings into focus how different these are. I also think a really important note is that postpartum depression and anxiety don't just turn into psychosis. I think there's also a misnomer about this. Yes, it's so important. Postpartum psychosis is a different entity. You don't go from having some anxiety and intrusive thoughts to then becoming psychotic. Right. It's not like on a continuum where you teeter over into psychosis. Like they're distinctly separate things. Such a good clarification. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that's really important to know. Yeah. One of the things that you're saying that's really standing out to me is the difference in sort of order of how we might treat. And it's true because one of the indicators that I look for when working with a client is, are we making progress in our applying our skills? Are we doing a lot of the things and still you know, not making any progress or the thoughts are still too sticky that we can't quite cope with or move through them. And that's usually an indicator that it's time to discuss the medication. Yes. But when we're talking postpartum psychosis, you are already broken. Like from reality, there's already no, like there's no reasoning with those delusions. There's no, I can see how medication is the first line of treatment because if we're so entrenched in our thinking and delusion and so convinced. There's no insight. Right, right. So convinced, you know. And then with that paranoia comes like not wanting to receive treatment because our people trying to harm, like it just can really sort of build on itself quickly And so getting that flexibility back in our brain, that insight, that reasoning, that ability to, you know, logically talk out a conversation is so necessary to be able to enter therapy and build our skills and work through things, right? And sometimes even with depression and anxiety, if like you said, it's that moderate to severe and you feel like you've been trying all the things and you've been making lifestyle changes and you've been trying your best to cope, it's not for lack of trying, You know, sometimes e-medication is needed and necessary and extremely helpful. I'm preparing a post right now that is just like, sometimes we just can't will ourselves out of our depression or our anxiety, despite how hard we try or how many natural remedies we might take or how much work you do. Right. Exactly. And so sometimes that is the most sort of helpful treatment for us too, especially, especially if we've tried and are trying all the things. And I really appreciate you voicing that because there's still a lot of stigma that we're working on, right? Especially if those medications are indicated during pregnancy and the fears about what you're doing to the pregnancy or, you know, what might happen to your baby as a result, as well as in the postpartum when we're breastfeeding and like that milk is going to have a little bit of that medication and sort of the risk to baby. And and we can go on for hours about the safety of medications and sort of the risk versus risk discussion that I have with many of my patients. You know, there are risks of having untreated mental health issues, both during pregnancy and the postpartum, and that those are really important to weigh against the risk of a very small exposure. And with the serotonin reuptake inhibitors, we have a massive amount of data 
that demonstrates that those risks are fairly small compared to the risk of untreated illness. Yeah. Yeah. And I think about even beyond the biological experience of being pregnant and having a baby experience to depression versus, you know, medication and things like in the womb. But I think about even my other children that I had when I was going through depression or anxiety, right? It's like Mm -hmm. the impacts that our postpartum rage, for example, can have or on our marriage or on our relationships with our children, like the risks go even beyond just like those physical risks in terms of the relationships, the social supports in our life, these types of things. So that it goes so far beyond just that one isolated, what are the side effects of this medication, right? There's a much bigger picture here to take into consideration. Yeah. And I love just sort of what we talked about of the continuum of sometimes therapy isn't accessible and medication might be the thing that's accessible to you. And so that's okay. Or you've tried therapy, you've tried the lifestyle modifications, you've asked for help and yet you're not making so much progress or you're feeling stuck, that's the right time for you, right? This is to say that it's also incredibly individualized Mm -hmm. to your circumstances, right? If maybe medication is something you're comfortable with, then maybe it's not too big of a push, right, to start it up again if it's helped you in the past. Mm -hmm. And so I think that every sort of experience is individual when it comes to that is really important to emphasize. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us today and lending your expertise in a time that has been raising some alarm bells for a lot of clients and a lot of moms in our communities and our practices. So thank you for being here. Where can people connect with you, find you, learn more from you? You could find me on Instagram at Sarah Oric MD. And we'll link your page and your information in the show notes and blog posts that this gets turned into. And again, thank you for taking the time to be with us. Thank you so much, Erica. It's always a pleasure. I really appreciate Dr. Sarah for coming and joining us today to help spread awareness and help us further understand postpartum psychosis and what it is or what it isn't. If you've struggled with any of the feelings that were brought up today, such as fear or worry about your own experiences, postpartum depression or intrusive thoughts, or questioned your own experience, I encourage you to book in a free 15-minute consultation with one of our mom therapists. We now have maternal mental health therapists serving both Canada and the U.S. and are just a click away to help support you. Head to momwell.com to learn more. That's momwell.com. I'll see you right back here, same time, same place next week, where I am being joined by TikTok famous and labor and delivery nurse Jen Hamilton to discuss how partners can get involved with and support you during labor and delivery. You don't want to miss it. I'll see you right back here next week. I can't even begin to tell you how happy and honored I am that you choose to spend your time here with me each week. If you're looking for resources or links from today's show, or you need a refresh on anything we've talked about, visit our show notes. You can find the link in the episode description, or you can head directly to momwell.com slash learning center to join the momwell email list and be the first one to know about new episode drops, insider info, or freebies head to momwell.com slash newsletter. Join me next week. Until then, remember that you have to be well to momwell. Well.